0: You're listening to Hardwired with Jeff Wickwire. Here's what's coming up in today's edition. He starts out telling them what they're doing right.
1: I know where you live, where Satan has his throne, yet you remain true to my name. Folks, no matter what, we gotta remain true to the name of Jesus. You can't let the name of Jesus go and everything that signifies, the one and only way to heaven, the only sacrifice for your sins and mine that will ever remove our sin the blood of Jesus. There's no other way to heaven but Jesus. We will never deny his name.
0: When the darkness of this world consumes you, do you forsake the name of Jesus? When disaster is at its peak, do you curse him or worship him anyway? Today in his message, Pastor Jeff wants you to know that when you stand firm for God's gospel, you store up treasures in heaven. Even when it seems impossible, God will always come through. Let him do wonders in your life and be forever changed by his truths. The wisdom of the world will always let you down, but God never will. Well, let's join Pastor Jeff in the book of Revelation, chapter two, as he begins his message, Pergamos, the lax church.
1: Smyrna was the loyal church, Jesus said, because in really tough times, you have not denied my name. So they're the loyal church. But this church in Pergamus is the lax church. So you have the lacking church, the loyal church. This one is the lax church. And we could say also the church of compromise, the doctrine of compromise. The message, the seduction of compromise had infiltrated this Pergamos church. The interesting thing to me is Smyrna was a beautiful city. Pergamos is a, was an incredible city, a uh, beautiful city. It was beautiful. It was cultured. It was educated. Uh, they had a library that had 200,000 volumes in it. So they were literate. They were not illiterate uh, folks on the other side of the tracks. No, these were educated, uh, high-end, uh, cultured, cultivated, learned people in the city of Pergamos. It was a major center for literature, a major center for the arts. Pergamos was a city where people would say, let's take a journey to Pergamos. Walk through the streets, take in the sights, like people used to do in New York City. They don't anymore much. You wear a bulletproof vest if you go there now. But used to, you would say at Christmas time, let's go to New York City, see the lights, enjoy, the culture that's there. That was Pergamus. It was beautiful among the cities of John's time. But watch this everybody, while it was highly educated, sophisticated, cultured, they were still very spiritually dark. Goes to show you, you can be very educated, but still be utterly spiritually ignorant and in darkness. Go to any college in our country, any college, They can show you how to do something, but there's no wisdom because there's no fear of the Lord amongst them. And the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So if you don't have the fear of the Lord, you don't have any wisdom. The risen Lord points out to John that not only are they spiritually dark because they were were in the stronghold of idolatry. They worshiped the Greek mythological gods, Zeus, Achilles, Apollos, all these others, these total phony, fake uh, mythological gods that have been made up by people like Homer and just the Greek world as time went on created these gods, worshiped them, but but none of them were real. They were all phony and fake, and yet they would bow and worship figurines that were made to signify these gods. They would worship These false gods, they were in the satanic grip of dark idolatry. But not only that, they were killing God's people. They martyred Antipas. Jesus names him. So Jesus, when you're under fire, Jesus knows your name. Because Antipas was martyred and Jesus knew his name. Jesus spoke his name to John, my servant Antipas. Was martyred, murdered, killed for his witness of me in this cultivated, cultured city. You know that Germany was one of the most advanced, cultured countries in the world when Nazism put its death grip on them. It matters where a place is spiritually. You can have it all up, kinds of head knowledge, but be totally lost here, totally lost. Now, Jesus begins telling John to tell the church at Pergamos, he begins with positives. He did with most of them. He starts out telling them what they're doing right. I know where you live, where Satan has his throne, yet you remain true to my name. Folks, no matter what, we gotta remain true to the name of Jesus. You can't let the name of Jesus go. In everything that signifies, the one and only way to heaven, the only sacrifice for your sins and mine that will ever remove our sins, the blood of Jesus. There's no other way to heaven, but Jesus. We will never deny his name. Now he says, you didn't renounce, you didn't renounce your faith in me. You remained true to my name. Even in the days of Antipas, when he was put to death in your city, where Satan lives, that didn't scare you into denying my name. You remain true. So these Pergamene believers lived in a difficult, spiritually dark place that was fully in the grip of paganism, darkness, where literally Jesus said, Satan's got a throne in your city. He has been enthroned in your city. Wow, how would you like that if the Lord said, hey, those of you living in Fort Worth where Satan's throne is. <laughs> Some of you are sitting there going, hey, "Amen!" I think that's probably about right. <laughs> but wow, so they were really in the grip of the devil. And Jesus said, but here, here's my issue with you. There's, there's, there's a problem. And here's why they were called the lax church, the compromising church. According to Jesus, they had carelessly allowed two destructive teachings into their midst, Doctrine of Balaam, Doctrine of the Nicolaitans. I'm going to deal later in this series with the Doctrine of the Nicolaitans. So I'm going to deal only today with the Doctrine of Balaam because believe me, that's enough. Jesus called out. He said, there are those among you who have embraced the Doctrine of Balaam. So you go, well, what in the world is the Doctrine of Balaam? I wish I understood what that is. Well, here's what it is. Listen to Jesus. Verse 14, I have a few complaints against you. You tolerate some among you whose teaching is like that of Balaam. So there were people teaching what Balaam had taught in this church, maybe in their Sunday school, maybe in their life groups. I'm just making it real here today. There were people in this church teaching whatever the doctrine of Balaam was. So we're about to find out what it was. What did Balaam do? We know the story. The children of Israel were going through the wilderness. There was about a million and a half of them. Some say 2 million, a gigantic, massive sea of people. And they began to go through the land of the Moabites. So Balak, the king of the Moabs uh, wanted them cursed. So he went looking for somebody who had a reputation for being spiritual and being able to do things supernatural. They heard about Balaam, they called on Balaam. He sent messengers to Balaam. He said, I'll pay you a bunch of money if you will come and curse these people so that their journey is completely stopped and destroyed and they are stopped in their tracks, which would have stopped the plan of salvation. So Balaam said, I can't do it. Well, Balak sent another group of men with more money. Balaam said, well, maybe I need to pray about it. And then finally, again, he sent him a deal he couldn't resist. He said, okay, I'll come, but I can't promise what I'm gonna say. Long story short, he stands Balaam up on a ledge where he sees this sea of Israeli people going through the wilderness. He said, now curse them. Well, he couldn't because all of a sudden he began to prophesy, prophesy positive things about God's plan for this people. And Balak, the king of the Moabites is sitting there having a heart attack. What are you doing? I paid you to curse them, not to bless them. And here's what Balaam said. I can't curse who God has blessed. I can't do it. Everybody say, I can't be cursed. If you know Jesus, I can't be cursed because I'm blessed. No weapon formed against you will prosper. Somebody may curse you, but it won't land. It won't land. But now, so Balaam said, well, get up there and do it again. Well, again. And this time he gave one of the most beautiful messianic prophecies in the whole Bible. So Balak said, man, what's it going to take? Come on, Balaam, curse him. Well, he gets up there again and prophesies positive things. So when he's done, Balaam realizes I'm not going to get my paycheck. So he said, Balak, let me tell you what to do. Here's how you take these people down. He said, Get your, the women of the the Moabite women and the temple, the idolatrous temple prostitutes and send them among the men of Israel and seduce Israel. And when Israel is seduced, God will have to judge them and they will be stopped. They will be stopped. And so that's exactly what happened. And God's people came under the judgment of God. Thousands lost their lives under the judgment of God. The doctrine of Balaam therefore is the doctrine of compromise. It's the doctrine of compromise. See the message to Israel was, oh, intermingle with the Moabite women. It's okay, a little bit of compromise here, little bit of compromise there, it won't matter. Because after all, you're God's people, God's chosen. So you got grace on you. So that little compromise isn't going to hurt anything. Go ahead and intermingle with the Moabite women. But God had forbidden that. And so they came under judgment. So the doctrine of Balaam was the message that a child of God can live like the world and still serve God. That's the doctrine of Balaam. Now I ask you, dear church, Is that all over the church today? The doctrine of Balaam? You can have one foot in the world and one foot in the kingdom of God and it's okay because you're under grace. Call that greasy grace. It's the false message that you as a believer in Jesus Christ can have the best of both worlds. One foot in, one foot out. You're kind of in, kind of out, kind of there, kind of not. You're in church on Sunday, the world on Monday. You can embrace other beliefs and other faiths and mingle it in with the Christian faith because no big deal. Because after all, you're saved. Doctrine of Balaam encouraged Christians then in the church in Pergamus. Some were teaching this and some are teaching it now in the Western church, in entire denominations. This doctrine slips in and infiltrates the church today. Don't be so legalistic. Don't be so serious about this thing. Live, enjoy life, party hardy. It encourages Christians to forget that they were called to separate themselves from this world. Are you with me? He said, what do you mean, Jeff? Here's what I mean. I'm in it, but I'm not of it. I'm in the world, but I'm not of it. I'm in it, but it's not my home. I've got another home. I got another kingdom. I got another king and he wasn't voted in. And he's not a Democrat and he's not a Republican and he's not a libertarian. He's none of those things. No, he's a monarch. He's king of kings. He's Lord of lords. And so the whole message that the doctrine of Balaam brings is you can be worldly and still please God. The Bible says, leave the corruption and compromise of the world. Is that what it says? Am I reading it right? 2 Corinthians 6, 17. So leave the corruption and compromise of the world. Leave it on Sunday and pick it up again on Monday. Oh, that's not what it says. I'm sorry. Leave it for how long? For good. Uh, Don't link up with those who will pollute you. Be careful who you run with. I want you all for myself. Who's talking there? God is. What does He say? I want you all for myself. You're mine, I bought you with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body. I'll be a father to you. You'll be sons and daughters to me. So the Bible says we're to leave the corruption. So we're we're to come out from among them. Now that doesn't mean you don't talk to people that aren't saved. I talk to unsaved people all the time have conversation. I'm, I, have, I enjoy conversing with them, but I don't go where they go on Friday nights. There's acquaintances and there's BFFs. For those of you that don't know, social media talks, speak talk, talk speak. That's best friends forever, okay? But no, no. The whole idea is as believers, we're called out and called in. He delivered us Colossians 1.13. He delivered us out of the kingdom of darkness and translated us into the kingdom of God's dear son. So he brought us out to bring us in. But in order to come out, you got to come out. Okay, so this is why the doctrine of Balaam is so damaging because it makes people, believers, indistinguishable from worldly people. Because if you're walking like them, talking like them, acting like them, going where they go, doing what they do, how can you tell anybody about Jesus? You're no different from them. We're the salt of the earth. We're the light of the world. You are the light of the world. You are the salt of the earth. Listen to what Jesus said. If the salt loses its taste, it can't be made salty again. Salt is useless if it loses its salty taste. It'll be thrown out. And watch this, where people will just walk on it. In other words, when the church loses its saltiness, it loses the world's respect. I ask you today, is the church being walked on today? Are people dissing it, no longer attending, no longer listening, no longer tuning in? Because if you lose your saltiness, your witness, your testimony, your distinctive differences as believers, if you lose that, you're no longer salty. People just say, ah, the church, and they throw it out and they walk on it. So furthermore, the doctrine of Balaam is the message that a little sin, a little compromise doesn't hurt, especially if it brings financial gain because Balaam loved that money, honey. He loved that money. See, man, I blew it when I was up there. I was supposed to be cursing them. How can I get the paycheck? Ah, I'll curse God's people this way. And he showed how to bring God's people down and he got his paycheck. So doctrine of Balaam is the message that little compromise here, little compromise there, no big deal. You can cut on those taxes. You can compromise your convictions at the office party. God understand. You can, you can play both sides of the fence at work. You can uh, 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 lift a little bit out of that tip jar at Starbucks. You know, I saw somebody do that. They, they acted like they were going in to give a tip and they came out with a handful tip money. Quiet in here. Have you done that? Isn't it amazing what we can justify if we just think long enough? Hold back from supporting God's work and and all these things. It's okay. Little corner cut here and there. God doesn't really care because most everything else is okay. Here's the thing the bottom line with the doctrine of Balaam is the person swallowing it is reduced to compromising their biblical convictions for the sake of money or some other kind of material, fleshly gain. And when you do that, now listen carefully to me because here's where I want to, I'm talking to Jeff and, and I'm talking to you and all of you online and those listening by radio and everywhere else. Listen carefully. When you do this, when you live a life of cutting corners here and there and little compromises, you're selling away your integrity. Now let me talk to you about integrity. See, Balaam sold his integrity for the money that Balak paid him to destroy Israel. He sold his integrity. He shook hands with the devil, literally, in a plot to destroy God's plan of salvation because they had to get to the promised land. Jesus is calling out this same error in the Pergamos church. He's saying there's people in your church teaching this. That's why I tell you, church, don't go where your ears are being tickled. I like listening to messages that sting me a little bit. How else am I going to grow? But if my ears are always being tickled and my flesh is being tickled, then then I'm not growing. And that's not the word of God. When God talks to me, there's always a little bit of conviction that makes me want to get a little bit more right. Right? Right? Paul said, this kind of false teaching is like a little bit of yeast that spreads through the whole batch of dough. That means it spreads through your whole life. And if it's a church, it spreads through the whole church. And that's why he's addressing it in Pergamus, because they were in trouble of their whole church coming under this bad doctrine of Balaam. It was taking over. So what's integrity? Well, there's a Hebrew word, you translate it into integrity. Here's what the Hebrew word means. Wholeness. Uprightness, honesty, moral soundness, solid character. That's integrity. What you see is what you get, and what you get is what you see. Uh, How many of you remember the math term, integer? Remember that, integer? I hated math. I remember integer. I didn't even want to say it, integer. I hate saying it now, integer, but I got to tell you, it comes, that's where integrity comes from, that word, because integer meant one whole number, a whole number. It wasn't fractionalized. It wasn't divided. It it wasn't one number plus part of another one. An integer was a whole number. It was complete. It was whole. And we get integrity from that word. And so it means that our beliefs have been integrated into our behavior. So what we say we believe is the way we live. So we are whole. When you're walking in integrity, you're walking in wholeness. When you're not walking in, in integrity, you are divided, you are split, you are fractionalized. Like most of Washington. I had to get that out. Because integrity is going the way of the dodo bird. It's on the... It's on the extinction list. Integrity is hard to find. Find, Try to find somebody who has integrity, real integrity. Integrity isn't lost overnight. It's chipped away in a hundred different little decisions we don't think really matter. That's how integrity is gained. You make good decisions and integrity is built or you make bad decisions and integrity is torn down. Scientists now say that a series of slits, not a giant gash, is what sank the Titanic. They have sonar devices now that are so sophisticated, they recently sent the sonar signals down to the Titanic, and they were looking for a great big gash in it where it hit that iceberg and it made it sink. But they didn't find that. They found six little gashes along six watertight holes. And those little gashes are what sank the great ship. It's the little compromises that sink us. It's the little foxes that spoil the vine. We don't think anybody cares. We don't think it really matters because it's little. But here's the deal. If you'll steal a dollar, you'll steal a hundred If you'll be responsible over a dollar, you'll be responsible over a hundred. Jesus said, whoever can be trusted with small things can also be trusted with big things. Yeah. And whoever is dishonest in little things will be dishonest in big things too. So see, it's those little decisions.
0: Do you ever feel lost living in our fast paced society? Do you ever catch yourself watching the world go by, not knowing your role as a Christian? In today's message from Pastor Jeff, he showed you how to deflect the world's lies and remain committed to what you know to be true. When you feel the world dragging you into its clutches, don't panic and let God's Word be your bedrock. Instead of changing who you are, aspire the world to seek after the heart of Jesus. We'd love for you to have additional resources. Here's Diane with more. If you're in the Fort Worth, Texas area, we invite you to join us this Sunday for worship and teaching. Pastor Jeff Wickwire has some great teachings that you'll hear and it would be exciting to meet you in person. Go to hardwired.org and click on the TPC Family tab to learn more about our service times, directions, ministry opportunities, and more. That's hardwired.org. Here's Daniel again to tell you about the next edition. No matter how resolute we remain in our faith, it's easy to let the world's wisdom seep in. Whether we're trying to or not, the unholy influences always find a way of burrowing in us. So how do we overcome this? Do we lock our doors and shut out the world? Or is there a better way? In the next installment of Hardwired, Pastor Jeff teaches you how to keep the world's temptations at bay by turning to the Bible. Build up your armor by investing in God's Word. That's all the time we have for today. Thanks for tuning in for this edition of Hardwired with Jeff Wickwire. You can listen to more messages from this and other books of the Bible by visiting hardwired.org. Join us next time to continue our study in the book of Revelation right here on Hardwired.